Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, welcome back to another week of the GZ Chop Shop. And today, today we have an amazing episode lined up for you. We are very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode. He's a YouTuber, artist, stream coach, and has the best hair I've ever seen on any platform. Let's give a warm welcome to Wild for Games. Hello, how are you all doing today? Doing good, doing Glad good. Glad to be here. Thank you for uh, the invite. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, to join us. You uh, you are a very, very, very busy, busy man. I am, but I always make time um, for friends. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, actually, uh, for anyone listening, Wild, uh, a couple of years ago, actually did a review of my channel when I was coming back into Twitch. He actually did a review of my channel and... His advice definitely helped carve my channel into what it is today. So I knew for a fact, I said, you know, once I get this podcast going, I want to have, I wanted to have you on the show because <laughs> you have so much insight to offer and it, it, it helped me and I know it, it can help many, many, many. It's funny because someone asked me today about you and I was like, I remember <laughs> it had to be almost two to three maybe years ago that we did the channel yeah. review. And I vividly remember you saying one of your passions is you wanted to do a podcast and you hadn't taken the steps there. And I said, just do it or just go for it. What do you have to lose? Because it's going to take a little while to build the rapport and get your flow and feel comfortable mm-hmm. and build what you want. And look, a couple of years later, here you are. And now you're doing it. You're yep. following your passion. And that's awesome. You know? So yeah, thank you for the thank you for the push out the out the door. Um it was definitely it was definitely good being able to get that that time with you and 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 I guess you could say in a way have that one-on-one because mm-hmm. it definitely it definitely was inspirational. Um and speaking of taking those first steps and and getting the foot out the door, I'm pretty sure a lot of people wonder how did you get into content creation because you've been at it for for years. Uh, yeah, I've been doing it. I, I actually forget my anniversary dates for everything now because they all seem to blend together. But I actually learned about Twitch from a Nintendo employee. And he was like, have you ever heard about something like called Twitch? And I was like, no, what is it? And he's like, people play games online and they participate in chat. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun and I'll give it a try. And when I first joined Twitch, there was a strong, nobody will help you do anything factor. 
And that really always mm. rubbed me the wrong way because nobody would show you how to do alerts or set up chat or how to raid when those eventually became available. It was all it was all the Wild West. It's like everybody thought as everybody is competition. And that bothered yeah. me. And eventually I met some people that would help me get a little bit better with overlays or alerts or how to introduce certain functions and commands. And I just essentially said, well, I need to help other people figure this out. And when I started doing it, it was like me and one other guy trying to figure out how to help people on Twitch via YouTube. <laughs> and eventually I started making videos where I just made a simple solution video. And then three weeks later, I looked back and that video had 85,000 views. And I was like, hmm, maybe there's something here. And so I just kind of kept going with it while I was working a normal job. And eventually it just kind of snowballed and growed to where now I do multiple things. Like I don't even consider myself a content creator that much anymore. I actually consider myself mm -hmm. a content consultant. So I actually help companies and entrepreneurs and small businesses now, which is unique. Like Twitch was a stepping stone for something down the road, which is something we'll probably get into a little bit later because I don't want streamers to limit themselves with just live streaming because that is just the small entry point of something bigger that everybody can you know grow into. Yeah, I, I do remember that in a lot of your videos, you have emphasized that point, like, you know, Twitch is not the end all be all mm -hmm. to, you know, what you could potentially do, you know, spread your wings, you know, check out all your variant options. Um, and, and speaking on on Twitch and uh, and YouTube, since you've been on both platforms, what are some things that you like about each platform and what are some things you feel each platform could change that could probably be more accessible to new content creators? Because I know a lot of people get intimidated when they see these platforms and they see the big streamers and they're automatically like, oh my gosh, how do I get there? I don't know what to do. And, and, and they, you know, they freak themselves out. So what, with your experience, what do you think, you know, some, some of these things could be, uh, changed and what are some good things about these platforms um, well let's start with twitch we'll just go in order because that's easiest things that i think that twitch does really well is community it's something that you don't see fostered in a lot of businesses that are online but more brick and mortar businesses you'll see it like with under mm -hmm. armor and nike it's all about building an athletic community you know and that really translates well to twitch it's all about building a rapport with the people that come into your stream getting to know them one-on-one -on -one and building that community to eventually a point where they feel comfortable enough to help support you monetarily. And that's something Twitch has always done well. And it's not because Twitch did it. It's because the people that are on the platform made it that and then it snowballed into something great. And I hope Twitch never loses that. But I feel like over time, it probably will a little bit because mm -hmm. streamers get alienated when Twitch makes decisions that are in their best interest for profitability. And I think that rubs people the wrong way. But most people don't remember. I started streaming when there was no way to make profit on Twitch unless you were a partner that had over 500 concurrent viewers. I did it for fun for three years straight. And then some person invented Twitch alerts, which allowed you to take donations through PayPal. And that was like two years after I started doing it. So there was no way to make money. So I think Twitch does really good with community, but I think it will eventually fade a little bit, which scares me. But that's up to the people yeah. within Twitch to cultivate that going forward. And then YouTube is unmatched with how it can do analytical data, how it can pull 
algorithms for discoverability, projecting what you may want to see up to the minute, especially when you refresh the page, it is unmatched. And that is awesome and beautiful. And that's why I say to this moment, to this day, to this second, anybody that's ever want to start content creation should get on YouTube because you can still for the next 10 years, see this expanding, like expanding growth just because of how they change the algorithms and the discoverability factor on it and how you can use all the analytical data to make you stand out against the big streamers or the big content creators and find your little niche that you can grow. So YouTube's really good at that. They're slow on the live streaming thing, but they're already starting to change it. They're trying to make it more like Twitch with gift subs and giving things out giving more ad revenue and all that fun stuff, subscribers and badges. So you're actually seeing a lot of these converge to be the same thing. Hopefully Twitch will get more analytical data, but to answer the question, those are kind of like what I would think they do well on both sides. And I think those are the things they need to change a little bit on both sides. Yeah, I definitely agree with the uh, YouTube being a good place to, to grow because with YouTube, I, I like to think of it like planting a tree. And, you know, you could put this video and you think, okay, no one's ever going to see this video, but you never know because depending on, you know, the, the, the times or what people are searching for specifically, your video could pop up and then, yeah, maybe the year you made it, nobody saw it, but that doesn't mean two, three years from now, it can't potentially go viral. And there's, that's been the case for a lot of creators. It's a video that they made two, three, four years ago, they forgot about, and then suddenly it pops up on the algorithm because it happens to match a trend. And then now everyone knows who they are. They're suddenly viral and people are asking for more. Yeah. And that's what can happen is you're correct. You plant seeds or as I like to call them, digital business cards. Every time you make a piece of content, whether it's a graphic that goes on, you know, Instagram or Twitter or a video piece that goes on YouTube, those are digital business cards. And when people go to platforms like YouTube, Generally, it's all solution based and it's all very centered to the person that's typing in the keywords. They're looking for something. And if you can deliver that something to them, you have a chance of converting that person to be very sticky to your channel. And by sticky, I mean eventually coming back to your channel as a reoccurring viewer, not just being a one off unique viewer. And when you can do that, Mm -hmm. that's where you really start to see your seeds bloom into something and you start growing something that's bigger and better. But it just takes a little bit of confidence to get that ball rolling. And people have analysis paralysis a lot of the time. And I understand it. We all get that way. We all have self-doubt and we all have things that get in our mind. But if you can just slowly start planting the seeds, like you said, you may not see growth within the first week, month or half a year. But if you keep going with it and keep improving it and keep, you know, keep that tree maintained, you'll see growth eventually because you're going to grow as a person, too. Yeah. So I, you mentioned analysis paralysis, um, and I'm pretty sure some people are like, "Ooh, I, I know about that. So how did you overcome your analysis paralysis for, for you to keep pushing for your content? Um, I'm very lucky. I'm a very social person, but I do have learning disabilities. I'm dyslexic. So actually streaming on Twitch is very, very difficult for me, but I found ways to work around it. But it was a way for me to come out of my shell because I always was very fearful of reading in public because I would stutter or my brain would flip words around. And Mm -hmm. it seems counterintuitive to want to stream, but I was like, this is a good way for me to get over that fear. And so when people have analysis paralysis, it's that same thing. They let something that they have in the back of their mind, whether it's fear or anxiety, depression, you name whatever it is, you have to 
eventually get the courage to step beyond that. Sometimes it's friends that pull you out of it or lead you to it, or sometimes it's your own motivation, you know? But at some point, you have to tell yourself that you have to take that little baby step and put yourself out there because you never know what could happen. The worst thing that can happen to you, and we all know this from dating, is whenever you ask a girl out or a boy out or whatever you're into, the worst thing they can say is no. And it's like, it really shouldn't be that detrimental to you. And every time you click the go live button, the worst thing that can happen is nobody shows up. It's really not that bad if you think about it. But you're going to learn skills as you do it over and over and over. And that's what people need to learn. Don't let the fear stop you from being great. Don't let anything hold you back from being what you want to become in this world. The cool thing about live streaming content creation is you are in control of you. And that's the best thing. So you can do whatever you want, provided that you start. So a person that I learned from is Sean Cannell on Think Media, great YouTube channel. I went to his convention for a full day. I learned all the ins and outs of YouTube. And he just says your first hundred videos, which I'll say for the first hundred streams are going to be pure crap, but you're going to learn how everything works and how everything goes. So that way you get the skills to improve down the road. And so you just have to start just like Nike, just do it, you know, and that's what you have to do. That, that's a that's a legitimate thing to live by, because Wardners, how many times have we initiated a project and we just looked at each other like, you know what, screw it, just dive in. We're just going <laughs> to. We're just going to try a, a lot. And it kind of goes back to what uh, what he was talking about was uh, uh, in regards to Twitch was having community and people that are supportive. And what's great about the uh, working with you and the people like within Gamma Games and GZ Chop Shop is uh, we've we've overcome a lot of obstacles. And here we are. We finally have a, a, a crew of people that work so well together. And um it's it's been absolutely amazing. So yeah, you're absolutely right. We've had to overcome all kinds of things that we just said. You know what? Let's just dive in there. What do we have to lose? I think it even makes sense for what you guys are doing now. Well, I'm sure when you first started, I don't know if this is a family show. If I'm allowed to say a curse word or not, but I'll keep it down. I'm sure when you guys first started, <laughs> it was a shit show. You were probably talking yeah. on top of yeah. each other. You didn't know how to have a flow. Mm -hmm. You didn't know how questions should go between person to person or have open debates that work well on both sides and play devil's advocate. It takes you a while to figure out what works, but you have to do what War just said. You have to just jump in and go for it because you'll figure out what works and what doesn't. No, absolutely. And uh, I feel so lucky because uh, working with Atachi here and uh, we have another behind the scenes guy, Yuli. Uh, we've been working together almost two years now. And we've, we've learned how we, how we talk, we've learned how we think, and we just vibe really well together. And it, it just, it's been, it's been so great, like being able to get to that point where we don't talk over each other. We kind of know like what the other person's thinking and we can kind of dive into a subject and, and the conversations flow so well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been amazing. We definitely love our rabbit hole conversations and, <laughs> and I love to dig into my conspiracy theories. And Every the now and then we, we all have to like, okay, we're hang on now. We're kind of going into a rabbit hole. Like that's still an issue, but I think that's okay. But somehow we've predicted some things, not all good things, but you're like, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe we need to stop predicting some things. We're, we're determining the game industry <laughs> in all the wrong ways. I, I'll tell you what we didn't predict was, uh, we did not see Microsoft come in and out of nowhere and buying Activision. Blizzard. Someone did. 
It's not the end, okay. by the way. I, I, oh. I will give you a prediction here without a rabbit hole. In the next three years, maybe five to give me some grace period there. Take two and Activision are publicly traded companies. I think both of those will be acquired by certain companies. And if I had to take a shot in the dark, I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook buys one of them because they need something for their metaverse and the Oculus. And mm-hmm. we already knew last year that uh, Netflix said they're going to get into the gaming space. Their gaming space will most likely be mobile, I would suggest, or I would uh, guess. So I think they're going to buy a company called Skills, which is also a publicly traded company. So I have a feeling every publicly traded company right now will probably absorb in the next three to five years because since Microsoft not acquired yet, it's still next month till they acquire it. Since they're acquiring Activision Blizzard, that makes all the other companies out there need to build a bigger catalog to compete. Yeah, that's so true. So, so you saw it coming. What were the warning signs for you that this move was going to happen? Because uh, I know Microsoft had already said that they were pretty much on their crusade of getting a bigger piece of the gaming media pie. Um, And they were swinging that wallet around. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, they were buying left and right Um, there. And now they're the, what, the third largest uh, gaming company officially. I think Tencent and Sony are the only two ahead of them. And Sony is not ahead by that much anymore. Yeah. Isn't that so Um, unique? Yeah. Hey, don't cut out so, Zynga. Everybody loves Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, what were the warning signs for you that that Microsoft was just going to go in for the kill? It comes down to one word and one word only, and I only know this because I trade stocks daily. And the word is cash. They had a butt ton of cash that they've accumulated since the pandemic, which is a great move for a company because that shows that you solidify strength in your company. If you ever want to learn anything about business, video game industry, podcasting, live streaming, everybody out there needs to start investing in stocks and companies because you learn so many minute things about your industry that you never knew. And the thing that I find very unique to get a little off topic, but still on topic is Microsoft invested, I think, what what was it? $68 billion to acquire Activision Blizzard. I find it astonishing that they let Mixer fail. Or not fail, but hand it off to Facebook. Because now that they have their own catalog of games or exclusive games, if you will, they now would have had their own marketplace with inside Activision Blizzard, which means more transactions and more microtransactions for the bottom end. But Mixer would have been a great way to self-promote or publish the that catalog. And I'm astonished they didn't want that. But I read a great article from a Twitch admin who worked for Twitch for a number of years saying how Mixer was like the worst idea ever because they had like no profitability plan. So maybe that's why Mixer or Microsoft got rid of it. (laughs) I think they just kind of they 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 really shot from the hip with that one. And then when they saw that it was another another Zoom, Mm -hmm. they just kind of were like, oh, yeah, (laughs) we didn't think this through. We're just going to pack it up. But I think they, they worked backwards. I think that Mixer probably should have came after they made, you know, these purchases if they wanted to go in that direction. I think they were so eager to take a bite of the streaming pie that uh, they weren't ready for what that entailed. I would agree they with thought that. that. Yeah, they thought they could just come in and, oh, we're Microsoft. We got this. We know how this works. 
And at that time, Twitch is like, nah, no, no, you don't. Yeah. But you're more than welcome. See, but what you just said there, Hitachi, verbatim apply now to Activision Blizzard and what I said with all the other companies that will get acquired. All these other companies are scared. They're going to have to buy a piece of the pie so they don't feel left behind, which is why I think other companies, you will see a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the next three years for the exact reason you just said. They feel like they're left behind. So I feel like we're heading into an era where there won't be solo developers and, and companies anymore. It's going to be probably under one of the big three. There's going to be a handful of companies just competing with each other. There's not, we're going to, we're going to lose it. I think all we'll have left is uh, those indie yeah. companies. And I'm sure those will get acquired and, at some sister or parent company right. too, at some point. And hopefully they, uh, hopefully they can maintain their independence a little bit longer or, put up some some competition because uh i i see a lot of monopolies happening here <laughs> a lot of a lot of monopolies happening it'll be interesting but, um, but yeah that's a that's a, a foreshadow right there so so everybody you heard it here check your stocks mm. if you haven't gotten into it get into it keep your eyes on it. this is something that we always talk about i say you know people get turned off when they say oh what's your podcast about and as soon as the word games come out they're like oh and i'm like no 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 there's a whole business market behind it that affects you in more ways than you think. <laughs> so you definitely want to pay attention to it, especially since, you know, with COVID and, and the way we absorb media now, it is the only media that hasn't suffered. In fact, it's benefited. Um, esports is taken to a whole new level. And yeah, this, 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 this is the time to really be paying attention to it uh, for sure. For sure. So. There you go. Little nugget of wisdom for you guys. <laughs> um, so, so coming back to uh, things about creators, um, I wanted to ask you, what is something that you notice a lot of even veteran creators or new creators mistakes, you, you know, small mistakes or big mistakes that they make that might be hurting them more than helping them um, that they don't even realize? Because I know when I attend like, you know, webinars for business and stuff they'll be like don't do this and i'm like oh i've been doing that for like the last two months <laughs> and i'm like I, I wish i knew this so like what are some things that you see um especially common things that um, up until recently doing? about six months ago i still used to do one-on-one -on -one coaching behind the scenes for uh twitch partners and professionals so people will hire me for my service of doing those things because i have a different perspective and to give people my perspective i come from the e-commerce world, that's where my education comes from. And what I've learned from the e-commerce world is how to make more money. And what streamers don't do, especially partners or professionals or even the upper echelon, is they've never really learned how to monetize them, their channel or their brand to the best of its abilities. And that's what I see happening with a lot of partners is there's this we all call it the grind. There's this grind to get affiliate. Okay, cool. I got affiliate. Now there's this grind to get to partner. Okay, cool. I got partner. Now there's this grind to get it to ambassador. Okay, cool. I got ambassador. There's this grind to get to fill in the blank. But nobody knows how to get the grind to make money. And everybody grinds for six, seven, eight hours a day, sometimes 10, maybe 12 when they're streaming. That is a stupid idea. You would never work that hard in your real life for minimal pay. And that's what bothers me about professional and partner streamers is they don't really learn how to monetize their brand and their channel right out of the gate when they hit those particular numbers. And so I show them advice and I'll give you like a couple examples here, but like people don't even understand how to move into like merchandise or they don't know how to move into 
self promotions that don't seem greedy or uh, scummy, if you will. They don't know how to mm. move into sponsorships or brand deals or what works or what their value is to charge for those things. And those are the really big stepping stones that they fall on and they fall on often. Because if I asked you right now, War, if I asked you right now, Itachi, if I was Elgato and I approached you and I was like, hey, I want to sponsor a live stream for six hours. How much is that going to cost me? And I can already tell you before you answer, before you answer, the biggest mistake and everybody listening to this podcast right now, the first person that throws out a number loses. That's the very first thing I teach someone. The minute you go $500, now the ball's in their court. They can go, nah, it's too expensive for me. They can always go down. They're not going to go back up. So what you do is you reverse it. You go, oh, well, I have a media kit and my prices are around this range. And you always put 25% higher because then now you can mark it down to your normal price point to where they feel like they're winning, but you're actually getting what you want, you know? So that's a really quick example of how you need to like understand what your brand and what your worth is. But most people out there wouldn't even know what their worth is, you know? They just go, ooh, I got Elgato on my doorstep. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to get some free product. But what you don't realize is they're taking advantage of you, not throwing Elgato under the bus. I'm just using them as an example. <laughs> but if they only pay you 500 bucks, they're probably going to get a few thousand dollars worth of free yeah. publicity off of that. And then you're getting screwed out of that, you know? So, so in, in talking about knowing, uh, knowing your worth, how could someone determine their worth. So, you know, it's very difficult and it really does take one-on-one -on -one coaching or mentorship. And I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm saying anybody out there that deals within business should seek someone to see if they can help them refine what their value is. But I'll give you two simple ways that I found my value because I had no one help me, which is why I'm good at doing it now. The very first one is a free platform out there that every streamer content creator can use. It's called socialbluebook.com socialbluebook.com. And what that is, is it's basically like Kelly Blue Book. You're going to create an account. It's 100% free. It's going to ask you to log in via your Twitch or via your YouTube or via your Twitter or via your Instagram. And it's going to ask you a few simple questions. How many streams do you do in a week? How many concurrent viewers do you get per stream? How many ads do you run per that? And like four other questions. And then it's going to tally up and it's going to go for a live stream. You're worth $100 an hour for a sponsorship lower third ad. $25 an hour for, you know, uh, a banner post in your channel, $5 an hour. And that is a simple way to get a metric to see like, okay, those numbers work for me. And it's a great platform and they're always improving it. And you can use it for Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and I'm probably sure TikTok now, but it all, it gives you great insights, you know, and that's, what's really cool about it. The second way I learned is I just fucking winged it. Okay. So one of the first companies <laughs> I mean, that reached out to me, I think was, um, it probably was Elgato. And they're like, Hey, we want to sponsor an ad. How much is it going to cost us? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I've got 10,000 subscribers. Um, $250. And they were like, done. And I go, okay, 250 was my base for when the next person came to me. So then when I had Corsair come to me, they're like, how much for ad space? And I was like, well, let's double it. $500. And they're like, done. And I just kept doing that over and over. And eventually I got to a number like $5,000 and a company went, nah, that's too much. And then we negotiated and then we found it. So then I found my, I found my base and I found my ceiling. And I knew from that point I had to eventually either grow so I can move those numbers up or grow my value 
to move them up. So those are the two ways I figured out what my worth was. And those are those are two very powerful means because I will I will admit I had no idea uh, about the the social one. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know there was a Kelly Blue Book. Yeah, for, I didn't know either. <laughs> that company reached out to me for me to do a video on them. That's how I found out about it. <laughs> they reached out to you to do a video yeah. about them, and you were like. Okay, you existed this whole time. Well, it's funny because they did a post and I don't even know how I found it It was from another streamer. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're trying to do something with Twitch. And I wrote back to them via the DM and I go, your guys's platform's wrong because they were trying to take metrics from Twitch that wouldn't equate to actual value. Like when people see Twitch streams and they go, oh, this person's got, you know, a thousand concurrent viewers or a thousand is a great number. That's an ecstatic number. But when you only see 10 people chatting, that means you have 990 people that are inactive. Now they're lurkers, but if I'm going to spend $10,000 and have nobody engage in that channel and not see my ad and have it in the background or something like that, that's a waste of money. That's a bad ROI, which stands for return on investment. And that ad person's never going to pay that streamer ever again, or probably never come back to the platform, which is bad for all streamers. We need to validate the platform by making sure that when we sponsor and do ads, we're doing it the correct way and charging a correct value. Okay, now this 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 is this is this is stuff I'm taking I'm taking notes on. I don't know if you saw as soon as you said I'm sitting I'm like okay. Take all the notes you want, man. So so now we have covered for you know creators to figure out. Okay, now you know how you can try to gauge your you know your your worth. Um, and I know in a lot of your videos, you've also covered other ways for streamers to uh, generate wealth in, in various platforms in various ways other than just Twitch. Because like you mentioned earlier, it becomes that grind. People are like, OK, I made Twitch affiliate and then they go for partner. And I've noticed this myself. And this is a lesson I've taken from you and I've applied it to my, you know, my business. I said, OK. I pulled myself away from just focusing on Twitch. I said, how do I make revenue off of my podcast on its own? How do I make revenue off of, you know, Twitch? And how do I make revenue off of, off of YouTube? And what are some of the things that you would suggest uh, for anyone who's just stuck in that, that, that forever Twitch wheel? Because once, once they get on that, that, that little wheel, they don't know how to get off. And they're just like, oh, when I make affiliate, when I make partner, I'll make tens of thousands of dollars. It's going to be great. And then they actually get their Twitch check and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just like, crap, I have to pay taxes on this? I got to pay taxes on uh, it. That's my favorite thing about Twitch streamers. They're like, what do you mean I have to pay taxes on this? It's like, well, duh. Yeah, it's not just free money. <laughs> yeah. What you um, say is is one of the hardest things to coach or mentor somebody on this platform. And it's because, and you can all agree to this because I think we've all seen it or experienced it. The minute you try to diversify, which everybody should do, by the way, that means you have to take time and energy away from your live stream. And the first thing people think about is, oh, that's going to affect my numbers. And you know what? It will. The minute you're gone, people are fickle on this platform. I had a friend mm-hmm. who was who got COVID for one week and she was off the platform for one week and her viewership went down 20% and her subscribers went down 60% in one week. And that's not sustainable. That's wow. the scary part about live streaming because streamers feel 
Like they have to be on that wheel constantly. And that's not good for your physical health, mental health, and everything beyond. You're not going to be able to build relationships, like physical relationships, like having a family. That's really hard. And that's why I love diversification because I love being able to make passive income. It's pretty much how I make 90% of my money now is passive income. And what you need to teach streamers is you have to learn to diversify and get off that wheel so you can have all these other revenue streams, which I like to call tunnels and funnels. So that way you don't have to be on that hamster wheel for six hours a day or 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day. And you don't have to be scared if your viewers come back or take a dip because you have this other thing that's helping support you on the other side. And it's it's very hard to, t to help somebody get off that wheel because you will go through a dip. You will go through a loss of money and you have to have that energy and that thirst and that passion to be like, no, I need to do this because the minute you try to do something new and if it doesn't work, everybody just goes right back to the wheel and then you're just right yeah. back where you started. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the fear of leaving that cycle is 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 very, very strong because um, I've seen and I, I know a couple of people who they've they found that success. You know, they may partner on on Twitch. And then after that happened, it was like everything else became was forgotten. Mm -hmm. It was like, I think they made like one YouTube video and then, you know, they were like, wait a minute, you know, it's taking time away from my live stream. And I guess they must've noticed a dip. And then they have all their attendant attention and followers on Twitch. And then I go and I look at everything else and it, it hasn't changed. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta spread out because you know, the, the more, I believe the more spread out you are, the better chance you have of actually making a bigger audience mm -hmm. and they have more places to find you. I think it's very difficult because we also forget when you have success with one thing that you do really well, you're scared to fail with something else. For example, I'm very good at a first date, but I'm horrible at a second date. So I'm scared <laughs> for it. So when people have success on Twitch, they're like, why would I try anything else? I'm doing good here. But what if, what if you got a strike or a ban or you got sick or your internet went down or something out of your control? It's like you need to have backup plans. You need to have multiple backup plans because there's so many things out of your control. What if Twitch got shut down from DMCAs, you know? Yeah. And then there was that thing like in Europe that was what? Copyright or yeah. Yeah, copyright 19 or something like that, where it's like you can't play yeah. copyrighted material in uh, EU countries. And Twitch was like, we don't know how to stop that because every time a meme pops up, somebody owns the right to that. But maybe it's copyright 16. I can't remember what it's called. Somebody out there in, in podcast land knows what I'm talking about. But there's things that you need to learn to diversify your income and diversify who you are, which is great that, like, for example, you're doing a podcast. So you're reaching out to a whole new audience that can discover you and you can funnel that audience to your Twitch or vice versa. You can funnel your Twitch audience to your podcast. And you're expanding your brand across multiple platforms. And if one failed, at least you have the other to fall back on, you know, and that's a safe safety net to have. And another thing that uh, I've also realized is definitely the importance of, and this word's popped up quite a few times in the show, branding, mm -hmm. the importance of branding, knowing who you are and what, you know, what your mission is. And one thing I've, I've recently had to learn and, and Warners knows this, I think it was like, Probably towards the end of last year, we actually finally came up with our mission statement. I actually finally <laughs> sat down. Yeah, we, we, we've come up with a, a few missions. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Statements, but uh, we've, we've had trial and error after trial and error, and we finally hit something that is working uh, more so than anything else in the past, uh, which I think is what success is built on. Uh, built on is is you're going to fail sometimes Mm -hmm. and you got to adapt. But, uh, but yeah, Itachi showed me this, like he, this man showed up with almost a power. (laughs) We're going to branch out this. And I was like, my mind was like, what? (laughs) And then everything came together. And I was like, this man has taught me so much uh, about business, podcast, streaming, every content creation, everything. So, which is, which is funny because, because, and, and, and this is cheers to you while it started not long after I found his channel because I was literally up a Creek without a paddle. My, my Twitch streams were like on a good day four views. I knew how to do the alerts and stuff, but like, like why I was saying earlier, like nobody was really helping me. Mm-hmm. I was, I was walking blind in a crowd full of people and I'm just like, hello, hello, anybody. <laughs> Hi. Hi. New here. And I needed to figure out how to navigate that. And I started literally just typing in YouTube, proving the, the power of YouTube, how to make money on Twitch, <laughs> <laughs> how to get more viewers. Yeah. And then your channel popped up and I was like, I was willing to try anything mm-hmm. and I clicked it. And I, I definitely have to say, I like the way you start your videos. You, you get right to the point, like in this video, we're going to cover. And I'm like, yes, yes. Pen, yeah. paper, <laughs> let's go. I'm ready for this. And it it was broken down into such a way it's easy to understand. It's easy to absorb. It's easy to put into practice. And another thing I like is there's, there's a lot of channels that I used to watch that I, I had to drift away from because it was, especially when they're doing like, you know, when you're at, at some point, they always do tech, tech suggestions. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta upgrade your equipment at some point, but a lot of them would be like, all right, you know, go out there and get yourself a go XLR, get yourself a, a, a sure M7. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Are, do you, <laughs> I mean, I have mine sitting you in front of me. But there it is. Hooked up to you. Look how much dust is on this thing. I haven't used it in forever. <laughs> oh, I like the company go XLR and I like the product, but I have a lot of issues with it. And it took me like three years before I ever got my hands on one and I've made do and, and Warner's knows like I, you know, I use those hacks and I use a lot of the things you suggested like, Hey, if you can't get this, here's another option. I'm like, I'm that other option. Yeah. That's the Avenue I'm going to go down. And I think a lot of people can relate to the other option Mm -hmm. because, you know, they make the video and a lot of them are thinking like, 
you, you know, it's like you you just said, you know, these streamers aren't making money, but you're showing them the products based off of what you have the money to buy. Yeah. Can you buy this four hundred ninety nine dollar microphone, please? It's like that's a tall order. And there's a lot of streamers out there and I, I would never badmouth anybody, but it's very difficult when you make videos about entry level streaming, which is where we all start. We all start from zero and a lot of us are lost. And when you come out and you're like, hey, you need to buy a $200 face camera and then a $490 microphone. Oh, by the way, it doesn't come with the boom. You got to buy another $100 boom arm. You got to buy a yep. gaming mouse. You got to buy monitors. You got to buy lighting. That's tough. And I understand it. everybody wants to look good. They want to look clean. But when I first started, I was like, I got $200 total to start. What can I get? And you got to find that. You got to find the right content for you and you got to find the right content for your wallet. And it's very scary because you can make great content with close to no money. But a lot of people feel like they have to have the best X, Y, and Z. And you don't. The one thing that nobody can duplicate on any platform, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want to do, TikTok, is you. You're the one unique thing that can't be replicated. And that's not going to be easy. But if you can sell yourself, you'll shine through the bullshit of how good your microphone is, how good the Elgato lighting is, how cool the camera is, how cool the background is, because people are showing up for you and you're selling yourself. You know, that's what's important, which is why the videos I tried to make in the beginning I wanted to get right to the point because it's like, you're here for this. Okay, well, let me reiterate what I'm going to explain. Hey, in today's video, I'm going to show you the top 10 ways to make money on Twitch. Some of these are free and some of these are paid. So let's get right in the video. It's like right in the first 12 seconds, I told you exactly what the video is going to be about. I told you there's two sides, free and paid. So you understand what may or may not work for you or what you can afford. And I'm going to go in order. And I told you there's 10. So you know exactly what to pay attention to. And it's like just within 15 seconds, I gave you a wealth of knowledge. And it always bothered me when I would, like you said, Itachi, when you watch other videos and it takes like two minutes to get into it. And you're like, cool, man. Two minutes. And then they still have to play their intro. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. Yep. This isn't the video for me. Okay. So, so one more thing, um, because I know you're an extremely busy guy. Oh, no. I got Um, time, dude. I got my whiskey. It hasn't gone away yet. Okay. (laughs) On the topic of YouTube. Um, there's, there's, I, I guess you could say there's freedom of creativity, but there's also, I feel like unspoken practices that should be applied, uh, such as, you know, thumbnails. I know (laughs) Warner's, Warner's was struggling for the longest time (laughs) with YouTube thumbnails. He would send me the, he would send me thumbnail. He's like, Hey, uh, here's, here's what I got. I love you. I love you, buddy. I love you. <laughs> my my adventure He's on low key uh, passive aggressive you has been it. long and rough, but it is coming along. At, ask Atachi about my video edits, though. They're getting, oh, yeah. they're, they're getting his his video edits. I like them. They they have his unique sense of humor to it. It's just the thumbnails weren't quite there. Thumbnails um, are tough, and, and and that's the thing. I was it's, it's 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 definitely an acquired. Uh, Art form. Thumbnails are definitely an art form. It's literally what you just said. It is its own art form because it has to do something that most people don't like to talk about. I don't like to use the word clickbait as a negative way. All of your thumbnails should be clickbait because the definition of clickbait is it draws interest for your eyes to make you have a CTR, which is a click through rate to make you figure out what was that thumbnail about. And I want to see what the content is. Bad clickbait is misleading information, which I'm obviously not talking about. But to make a thumbnail 
be beautiful and engaging and stop your eye for that half a second to decide if you want to click on it is very difficult. And I struggle with it all the time. And I still make my own thumbnails to this day. And I will tell you, I'm still constantly learning. And if you want to learn how to make great thumbnails out there, I would probably look at the top content creators in the world. Obviously, number one is Mr. Beast. And he will tell you, he will never do a video if he cannot visualize the thumbnail beforehand. And if he can't and he doesn't think it won't be a good thumbnail, he won't do that idea. But there's so many creators that do that. And I don't even think that way. Like, that was the biggest mistake I was making. I would be like, ooh, let me just make the content of the video and then I'll figure everything else afterwards. But if nobody's going to click on the video, it doesn't matter how many or click on the thumbnail. It doesn't matter how many hours of cool content I put in that video because nobody's going to watch it, you know? Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's, that's a very uh, accurate. It's extremely accurate because the way Mr. Beast approaches it, it's like he's, he's looking at the end before he even starts at the beginning. Yeah, and that's smart. And, 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 and that's that's actually really smart, especially on on YouTube, because especially with, you know, attention spans, attention spans today are short. And as people are scrolling through, you you have to catch them like they as soon as they see it, you know, that thumbnail has to be the hook because you could have this wonderful. And I've done that. Sometimes I'll take a chance and I'll click a video and I'm like, the thumbnail didn't catch me, but I'm just curious as a creator. And I'll look and I'll be like, this actually was a pretty good video. But if I wasn't just curious. You know, it, it it doesn't it doesn't get a lot of attention. It doesn't get a lot of traction unless you're already well known. Then you can get away with, you know, kind of like a some people get away with like a subpar. They just kind of like have a white background in their face, little warp. Yeah, and that bums me out. I'm like, crap! I spent seven hours on my thumbnail and nobody's clicking on it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, some people get that that added that added benefit. Um, so in terms of titles with the video, that's another thing. Like everything before they even get to, let's say you got their attention with the thumbnail. Now the next thing is, is the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've learned cause I, I have an application I use, I use TubeBuddy. That's my YouTube hack. Here. Um, and I've learned from using TubeBuddy. It's like, you know, having some of your tag, pretty much what that focus of your video is within like the first two words of your title. Yeah. Like right, right there. So what would you say is an ideal title for a YouTube video? Person's got the thumbnail. Now they got to title it and they're drawing a blank. So I'm going to give you two answers for it because depending on the type of content creator you're at in your life cycle, it really differs. And so for the very person that's just starting out, you want to look on TubeBuddy or even how Google or YouTube will autofill and generate when you're typing in key terms. And so when you type in something like how to lose weight, you know, it'll autofill after that. And those are called key terms. So it's, it's, it's figuring out what are key things that people are searching for in the world at that moment, at that week, at that month. And what you want to learn is how to do long tail key terms. And this is something that you learn in email marketing and marketing in general. Long tail is what you pay for so that way you get top ranked within websites like Google, Bing and so forth and everything like that. So when you take our example, how to lose weight, you want to narrow your field and how you narrow your field is by making it long tail. So now we're going to go from or we're going to start with how to lose weight may have a hundred million competitors that you might get on a search result. Okay, well, let's Mm -hmm. take it to a long tail. How to lose weight in 10 days. Okay, I've refined my search now and my demographic is looking for something particular that I'm going to deliver in my thumbnail, title and content. 
Okay. Well, now it went from a hundred million down to let's just say 10 million. Okay. That's a good reduction, but still very competitive. Let's take it even further. How to lose weight in 10 days for a wedding. Now you know exactly your target demographic, most likely women trying to fit into their wedding dress that want to look banging for their wedding day. And you went from a hundred million to 10 million to 1 million now that you're competitive. And what I like to do for this is that is your niche content because there's so little competition that you have a great chance of ranking within the top three. And the reason the top three is so important is because when you type anything on Google, it'll have the first search result will be a paid ad. Somebody paid thousands of dollars for the keywords that are popping up to the top. Then underneath that are three YouTube videos that nobody paid shit for. And you have a chance of being one of those three videos. And if you have a cool thumbnail, they could click on you. And the cooler thing now is there's what's called, I believe it's called YouTube snippets. So if you create chapters within your YouTube video, or if you post this podcast on YouTube and you put chapters where it's like, um, how to monetize your Twitch channel, that actual long tail word will apply or will be extracted from the YouTube video and shown up as a snippet on Google. So that person can click on that very moment and watch that two minute section within the hour podcast or the hour YouTube video. And that's powerful because that person's looking for an answer or solution. They're getting it. And then they may watch the rest of the video and they go, hmm, this is a great video or a great content creator. Or I like what they're doing. Let me see what else they have. And you're hoping that you get a conversion rate off that. But that's what you need to start with is the niche format with long tail. The only thing that sucks about it is since it's niche, it's going to have a lot less searchability. And that means not people are typing in it as often, but the people that are typing it in are going to find the exact answer that you're serving up, which means that you probably have a really good chance of converting them over. And that's how I started my Wild for Games channel. And that's I also have an art channel called Wild Creates. I found very niche answers that people were kind of searching for. And I just presented the content in front of them. And that's how you start growing. So if you want to make content on cars or gardening or baking or whatever, look for small niche things that people are not delivering on any platform and make content around that. It'll be a slow start, but you will have a start that takes you to where you want to go. And then the second one is... At some point, you can kind of start competing with other big content creators on any platform. And you want to look at trends. Trends are always powerful. You want to be first. You want to be different. You want to be biggest. You want to be better. Those are always things you want to think about that'll make you stand out near the top. And if you can always be first, like today, Elgato came out with their Elgato foot pedal. If you can make content on that first before everybody else, it's like you'll automatically rank higher because it pulls you to the top. Now, that may have a life cycle because it may not be evergreen. And what evergreen means that it will always be on the platform near the top. You know, that's the risk you take. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But I made a video years and years and years and years and years ago about uh, a product that came out. And I was the only person to make it. But that video got, oh, geez, 500,000 views. And it's like, I don't know why people didn't do it. And then I sold the product from passive income and it made me a lot of money. And it's cool. But those are the ways you can do it is either you have to start out with very niche with long tail content or sorry, long tail key terms, which is a great way to do it, 
or you want to try to be first for something when you're starting out to get discovered. And those are great. Those are two simple ways. There's a lot more, but those are easy ones for people to understand. Definitely. Definitely. Cause, uh, some of the things you mentioned, uh, I, I have seen and used in practice myself, especially when you said, you know, that the, the snippets, uh, when I'm looking for specific things like on editing and stuff, those snippets have come in handy. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've discovered a lot of the channels that I have followed because of those snippets. Uh, Tachi, you've gotten on to me about my snippets. <laughs> <laughs> He's taught me a those lot. Snippets, they're powerful. I use it all they're the time powerful. when I have to learn how to edit something. I'll be like, ooh, Premiere Gal. Oh, there's a snippet for it. Or like Pixel Perfect. Oh, cool. That's what I needed. Or learn how to edit stuff. Oh, cool. Yep. That's what I needed. Well, th this is this is this is this is a lot of information, um, and this is definitely something I've wanted to do for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so, once again, wow! Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Uh, but before we let you go, I got to ask you a Poddex question. Yes, I'd love it, and feel free to ask um, me any other questions about anything you want. I mean, give me a give me a lightning round of things that you want to know, and I'll give you the honest, no bullshit. You know, answer. <laughs> okay, so you 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 pretty much have uh, done a lot, and and there's it seems like you know sky's the limit. What hasn't what hasn't Wild done? So I do want to ask, what is one thing that you have always wanted to do, but have not gotten around to doing yet? Cooking channel. I want to I want to create a cooking channel. I, I'm very passionate about cooking, and I probably will do it this year, um, just for fun, and I. I don't want to say the channel name, but it's about taking simple things in your household and like adding extra flavor to it to like elevate it. I'm a huge passionate cooker and it's one of the things that I've done or wanted to do for a long time. It probably won't succeed, but I won't care because it's a passion project for me. It'll succeed because the first one I ever because you have a few cooking yeah. ones out there. <laughs> they're, they're not super long, but they're they're you know, they're cooking uh cooking clips and the first one i ever saw was uh the the corn on the cob <laughs> yeah, that was a long, and that was was a long like, time ago i was like it was so long ago but i was like what <laughs> and i tried it myself and i was blown away by how yeah. good it was my mom showed me that and i was like no shit that's a great thing though that war brings up and i should probably if i have a moment to clarify when you start doing content creation and this is great for you itachi you never know what's going to work for you or what's going to stick. Mm. And as much as I would hate to say it, it's true. You want to start out with quantity over quality because you're going to learn how to do so many things and you're going to see what sticks. When I first started doing YouTube, I did Twitch um, tips and tutorials. I did pop culture things. My, my biggest video to this day is what is the meaning behind I'm your huckleberry? And that video still makes me $15 a day. And I posted it like, you know, two, three years ago. And then I made cooking videos. And I also did art videos. I did four different things. And the hardest problem with me is all four were successful. And at some point, I had to choose which one it was. And then you, uh, YouTube and Twitch was, you know, paying the bills. So I was stuck with mm -hmm. that. But you have to, at some point, just try a bunch of different things. And see what works, you know, you would never know if this podcast was going to work unless you try, you know? Yeah, that, that, yeah. I, I have, I have one more, th one thing to confess here. Um, I didn't start getting into learning how to paint actually until I saw your videos and, uh, I already drew a little bit. I wasn't like super good. Like I wasn't like animation good, but I enjoyed it. 
and I watched your painting and I was like, I want to try to paint. So I got into it. And some of that is, is because oh, hell of yeah, you. I did. We'll have to wrap out and talk about art sometime then. Absolutely. So this means the thumbnails. <laughs> yeah. So you're will, saying the thumbnail should be better. <laughs> will be better. My, my, well, okay. First of all, I'm not a good painter. I'm learning. Uh-huh. Uh, drawing is different. I'm okay. But that does not translate to my ability to, to get the Adobe to work the way I want it to work. Hell yeah. It's not as bad as the newsletter com- conversation. <laughs> Oh man. We were trying to get him oh. we were trying to get a newsletter together and this was two years ago. <laughs> you you should do a newsletter, like by the way. I've been trying to do one for years, but I'm too lazy. But a newsletter is a great thing to do, and I'll tell you why. This is a free tip for both of you right now. A newsletter is great for two reasons. One, you're going to collect email addresses, which is going to allow you another way to reach out to clientele or viewers or you know uh people, if you will. And it's nice to have in case, what if you lost your Twitch channel, your YouTube channel, or yeah. anything? You have this backup way of reaching people and go, oh, now you can discover me on Facebook, or now you can discover me on Hover, or you can discover me on OnlyFans. Whatever your little heart desires, you have this way of now reaching people that's more personal because it's their email address, okay? And the second reason it's super powerful is not everybody might be able to absorb your content within the week or the month. So when you send out a newsletter, you can give the top three pieces of content, you know, go, hey, these were the top three bangers. This one's about monetization. This one's about growing your brand. And this one's about, you know, fill in the blank. And people will look at that. And that's another way to generate your brand. But it also validates that you're taking the time and effort to deliver a quality product to that user. And that's why email letters and collecting email addresses are important. Yep. Absolutely. That's why that's why I've spent the time to 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 craft it. And, and you know, and, and like you said, I've built a, a decent sized uh, email clientele list, um, which in turn has given me the confidence to use things like LinkedIn and, and reach out and, you know, uh, do do correspondence, which is another thing um, of talking about coming full circle about pulling that trigger. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of people when they you know, reach out to brands. They just kind of like, I, I guess you could say they just kind of like don't know how to approach it or they just kind of just send it to the company. And I'm like, that's not going to get to the person you want it to get to. Correct. Um, you, you have to do a little bit of research and LinkedIn is your best friend in this case and figure out who you want, who you need that email to get to mm-hmm. and find that person, cut out all the middle people, cut out all the automation and find that person. And that's the person that you want to market to, that you want to connect to, establish a relationship with. Because even if they turn you down the first time, they're at least aware of who you are. Yes. So when you come back again, after you've grown and after you've improved, they don't go, well, who's this person? They're more likely going to remember you because you went through all that effort to find them. And and, and flattery does go a little uh, a lot further than people think, you know, showing that you've done a little <laughs> research on them. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I, I want to connect with you. I, I was really impressed by, you know, the numbers from when you, you, you know, you marketed this and they're going to go, oh, you know who I am. You've done a little research on me. 100%. Okay. So that's, that's my little a bit, of, a little bit of advice from my I actually think LinkedIn is one of the greatest underutilized tools streamers have that they're not using right now. Last year, I probably have the, the dates wrong. You can actually start putting VODs on your LinkedIn. 
So when you reach out to companies, like let's say you want to reach out to Elgato or Corsair or G Fuel or whoever you want to work with, you can attach those video files and they can check it out to see if that brand or you rep their brand well, or they want to get in front of what you're promoting. And it's a huge, powerful tool. My LinkedIn is very small, so I'm going to be experimenting with it. But I only have like a simple few things out there. And I've gotten two sponsorships off, off of it from just small things. So it's like everybody out there should show what they're or should improve their LinkedIn. But I'm going to experiment with it. You experiment with it too, because I would love to hear your feedback like six months from now. Yeah. I think it goes back to, to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast. What is the worst thing that could happen is somebody just says, I'm not interested. Exactly. And I've already been, I've already talked with Elgato. They've already turned me down. And all it did was fuel me to say, I'll be back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I love that. I, that's back. one thing I can say about Itachi is I've never seen somebody uh, so determined when, when we do get turned down or whatever. He, he comes back and then we end up getting that mm. yes. You just, 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 it's just fuel for the fire. That's the thing that's, it, it hurts at first, but then it just means you have room to grow. It's just another stepping stone because then you can figure out, okay, you, you now know you, you have a direction to look at why did they say no? Mm. You get to reevaluate, take a step back, look at your whole, your whole process, your whole project, your approach was your, your cold email off. Uh, did you maybe not send it to the right person? How did you approach this whole situation? And then reevaluate and come back again after you've improved and you go, okay, I think this is what they're looking for. And you come back because, you know, like we were saying, the worst they can say is, is no, it's not like, you know, they're deleting your channel. They're just saying, I look at it like you're not ready yet. Perfect word. Yet. Not ready, not yet. ready yet. And never be afraid. This is very difficult to do. Never be afraid to ask them, why not now? They'll tell you exactly. Go, your number's not high enough or we don't, you don't have the correct demographic we have. You know, they'll give you very good information and you go, yep. oh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Let me see how I can improve that, which will help you too, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually really great information because then it can help you figure out where you need to zone And where in. you can focus your attention. Yeah, yeah, perfect. All right, hit me with more questions. I love these. Uh, okay. <laughs> we weren't expecting this. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a wealth um, of knowledge. So... So I'm just going to shoot a, a, a from the hip and Warner's knows how crazy these Poddex ones can be. Um, have you ever been to jail? No. And I love Poddex. Never, Poddex never just... been to jail. Mm, and I hope to never go. <laughs> I'm a very pretty man. I don't think I would do well in jail. <laughs> what you know is man pretty. <laughs> I like that answer. I like that. Um, <laughs> so this is one, another uh, creator related uh, question. Um, when you are in your workflow, how do you prevent burnout? Um, I made a video on this a long time ago and burnout is always going to happen. So as long as you know that's true, you can get a little bit ahead of the curve. And um, one of the best things you can do is learn to have balance and to have balance, you have to schedule things out. You can't see it, but it's over to this side here. I have a giant blackboard that I put post-its on that I'm going to do for the week and for the month. And that's how I balance my life. And I've learned to, when I complete a project, rip it off because it feels good. And then I, I make mm -hmm. available time for 
my own health or mental stability. I'll, I'll go work out or I'll go on a hike or I'll go on a date or, you know, I'll go hang out with family or friends. You have to learn to balance stuff because when you can, you're giving yourself enough recharge time. People grind themselves to the bone in this business. And it's a very scary thing that I keep saying constantly. And it's, it's a bad mentality to have because the minute, the very minute you have a downtick in something, you go into depression, you go into anxiety, you go into all these things. You go, why am I not doing as good as him? What, why is she getting more views yeah. than me? Why is their podcast doing way better? Why are they getting more click throughs? Why is this happening? It could be a billion reasons. Who the fuck knows? You're only in control of yourself. So what you need to control is your workflow and your balance. Make time for yourself. Because the reason this is important is when you make time for yourself, your product that you will be pumping out will be five times better, 10 times better, 100 times better because you have more clarity of what you're doing because you took the bullshit that was in your life and you learned to take it aside and put it aside. And that's very difficult to do. A lot of these things are, I'm going to say, sadly, you learn with age. I'm 37. I'm attractive as shit. And I've gone through the <laughs> ringer on everything. Okay. I've had ups and downs, but eventually you learn how to deal with bullshit in your life. You learn how to yeah. deal with toxicity in your life. You learn how to deal with rejection in life. Being a Twitch streamer at age 18 to 27, I'll just throw out a random number, is difficult because you take everything to heart. When I was doing YouTube, I would get called very derogatory names constantly. I'd get insulted all the time and I would take those to heart. And then at some point, I started making money. I started having a good community. I started having people support me. And then you just go, fuck it. I'll just yep. keep doing me. I'll just keep yep. being awesome. And I'll take time to myself. But that is a very, very hard lesson to learn. And I think you really only learn it with age. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely true. Because uh, when I first got into streaming, that was very accurate. Uh, I, t I took all of it all of it to heart. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it would come in and I was just like, after my stream, you can find me in my corner with my blanket, <laughs> just, just sitting there, just, just rocking. Just, just. Yeah. But then, yeah. But I think once I, once I hit the 30, I, it was just kind of like, uh-huh. Next. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. You know, I, I had an issue today where I was just like, uh, something came up in, in, in my chat and I did not pay it any attention. I banned it, got rid of it. And continued on. I didn't even address one it. of the greatest things. I'm oh, sorry, War. Go ahead. Oh, I was I, I was just saying this didn't even bother me. That's yeah, that was it. and and that's awesome. One of the one of the questions I used to get always asked on my YouTube channel was how do I deal with toxic people? And that's a great question because it's difficult because you'll always go through toxicity if you're a man, you're a woman, you're young, you're old. And my favorite quote I always like to do is from The Simpsons from like a Halloween House of Horrors episode where they have all the uh, buildings and the people and the mascots grow really huge. And the whole thing is just don't look. They sing that song. Just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> and that that's episode. what you need to do to trolls. Don't feed the fuel. Don't feed the fire because they want a reaction. And I know mm -hmm. it's tough when they call you a name and I know it's tough when they attack your stream and I know it's tough when they attack your community. I know it's tough when they attack something personal and passionate to you. Yeah. But the minute you go, whatever, man, you won. That's, that's all you got to do. Hey, cool. Whatever. Ban timeout. 
ignore, you won. So just realize that you won because they can't bring you down. That's all they want to do. And you have to realize at some point, that person you need to feel sad for because they're fearful, they're jealous of what you're doing because you took the initiative to do something that you wanted to pursue. And that's beautiful. And they're upset that you're doing it. So that's why you can take solace in. True words and never yeah, been said. It, it takes a while. Again, I think it's an experience and age thing. We all go through when somebody leaves a bad comment, they'll be like, hey, wild for games. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'd be like, yeah, that sucks, but I think I do. And then I just move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, sucks, but <laughs> and I've seen that too. Like when you would be having streams, someone would always come in, at least one person would always come in and would try that. And, and that would, that would be your response. And it was just so smooth that they just, they like, they just disappeared. Yeah. They just, <laughs> gone <laughs> i'm too old to deal with anything now <laughs> <laughs> I've done, yeah we yeah we we feel you there uh but we are gonna have to wrap up this show there's just so there was just so much information there was just so much information this could this could go on uh hopefully you can join us again uh in the future because you just have so much valuable information that it, it there's no way it can all fit in, in well one i got a episode. great idea how about when you post this you can prerequisite at the end of the podcast with a question to your community and say, hey, what would my community need help with? Content creation, monetization, discoverability, social media. We can make a whole podcast based upon what your community wants. And I'll be more than happy to come back and answer questions specific to that. Or even maybe you even have a question or two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, guys, you heard it here. So Jeezy family, let us know. Go on the Reddit. Warners has taken so much time and, and, and effort to put that Reddit together. This is your chance to get your questions answered to if you've been too scared or you felt like, the, you know, that was out of reach. Here you go. This is your chance to have your questions answered in a full episode. We are definitely going to schedule that. So thank you so much for that. And while where can everyone find you if they do want to reach you directly if you want to reach me direct me directly my social medias are on twitter and instagram all at wild for games my youtube channel if you're interested in streaming education tutorials tips tricks all with good hair sprinkled in with a little bit of humor is also wild for games on youtube you'll know when you see me because it'll be the handsome man obviously that gets right to the point like atashi said <laughs> and then if you're like war and you love art i would love nothing more than the support on my art channel wild creates where we will actually be getting into learning how to stream your art online on a bunch of different platforms like youtube twitch facebook instagram twitter and hey there might even be a special one like deviant art in there and discord and behance so those are all the cool things that we're going to be doing there and guys, if you enjoyed this episode and pretty much love everything that the GZ Chop Shop brings you, don't forget you can sort of support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gamma Games. Also, you can hit us up at Twitter. If you want to leave your questions there, you can add us at the GZ Chop Shop and check us out on our website, gammagames.com. Anyway, while thank you again so much for joining us this was an amazing episode we are so Absolutely. happy that you were able to join the pleasure us. is all mine and uh as i always say peace peace you guys stay classy catch y'all in the next episode
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com What's up, everyone? Project Itachi here. Did you enjoy the show? If so, think about supporting us on Patreon or ACAST for exclusive perks, content, and more. Also, visit our store, thegzshop.com. You can find all of our links on our website, osn-media.com. Until next time.